wife Linda is with me. Whoa. And we live in Los Angeles, California. I know I don't look like it, uh, but uh, right, Rod Stewart. No, no, I'm not Rod Stewart. <laughs> wow. So I don't know how you ended up here. I think there was a free beer sign out front. <laughs> free, it's a free prayer sign or something. Uh, anyway. Uh, my ministry's in light connection. I've been running around for the last 20 some, gosh, how long? My long, longest friend in the ministry, Brent Locker. Yes. Remember, we snuck from a Presbyterian church down to the vineyard into a meeting in what, 19 something or other? And 92. And we go, both got zapped with the Holy Spirit while John Wimber was speaking. And we both fell on the spirit. I think it might have been the first time we fell on the spirit. First time for you. I went rolling down the steps and he did something else. Those are those bonding moments, you know, you know, where you meet someone for the first time. You both get zapped. You look over, you're drooling over each other. I know, and I always say this, you know, it's like, I would have never done drugs, you know, why didn't they tell me about this stuff sooner? So I got off drugs a couple months ago, no, uh, actually it was um, a couple of decades ago, it was a typo on my website that never got me invited back. He hasn't been saved long enough, you know, it's like one of those rides, you got to be this high, you know, you gotta... he hasn't been saved. I got off of drugs and I thought, wow, I'm going to have all this money left over, right? Yeah, I'm going to have all this money. Then I got in the church and realized, oh, no, you tithe. I mean, I was... <laughs> so God set me up. I mean, I was already, I was like the number one tither in the place. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm already got the money, you know. <laughs> oh, sorry, kids. Uh, don't try this at home. We, you don't want to do that at home. Uh-uh. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, if you've ever heard my story, I, I did. I came out of the occult back in the '80s uh, in Berkeley. Actually, uh, that was a, what a what a place to come out of the occult, right? Berkeley, California. I had a radical encounter with Jesus when my uh, my friends took me to the Berkeley Institute for Psychic. Don't try this at home. I don't want. I don't recommend this at all, really. But I had a radical encounter with Jesus, and uh, the, the psychic saw this dark spirit in me and several around me. And I had been born again years before that, you know, and, and, uh, but I, I was backslidden and, uh, you know, I was basically working on my testimony, you know that, uh, and uh, it was preparing me for what I do now. Let's get my PhD. You know what PhD is, right? Prophecy, healing, and dreams. That's what I've got one. But I knew the Holy Spirit. I've been hearing God all my life. Back then, I was just trying to remember my first time. I can't remember uh, not hearing God. I was pointing in the wrong direction half the time, like, bah, bah, you know, well, well, I, kind of weird, you know. I was superstitious and all that, and afraid to drive my car when it turned six, 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 six. Made my friend drive it. And... Remember those days? Yeah, just like yesterday. Right? This just happened. I made my friend drive the car. I told my friend, he didn't have a car. I go, you want to drive my car? He goes, why? What's wrong with it? Nothing. 
That's it, man. It's turning six, 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 six. And I just watched the late great planet Earth. And we're going out of here, man. Well, you know what? You know, we've been waiting for the second coming. Uh, I think by now we should have had the third. You know what I mean? It was like, it was like, You know how they, they have the Jesus movie? I'm now in L.A. and, and we're uh, prophesying into Hollywood and, and you know, going in, into, into uh, I'm not, you know, just getting into places and, and telling, telling them about God. I can't tell you where or I wouldn't really be doing it because they wouldn't let me come back, right? So, uh, but we're getting into places. And what I noticed, though, is like, uh, you know, like the Jesus, uh, yeah, the Jesus movie, right? You know, they've remade Flipper. They've remade the Beverly Hillbillies, but we've never really remade the Jesus movie, have we? Come on, now you're all looking at me like I'm not allowed to diss the Jesus movie. He can't diss the Jesus movie. It's millions of people have came to the Lord. Yeah, I know, but we want millions more in the future. So I believe we need to update the Jesus movie. How about you? I mean, History Channel came close. You know, they came with the Bible. History Channel came close. Did anyone watch the, the Bible or on, on history? Yeah, uh, it was okay. But since when is Abraham Irish? <laughs> Did anyone like raise their hand and go, is he Irish? And then how about Sarah? You know, did you see Sarah? Anyone, does anyone read the Bible? What, what, was it, what was the description of Sarah? She was supposed to be really hot, you know. There was a casting error. She was a little bit like, you know, the sheep worn. She'd been watching too many sheep out there. She just looked a little dusty, didn't she? I mean, I just wanted accurate. She's supposed to be hot. It's in Genesis. And Abraham's not supposed to be Irish. And then Turner Broadcasting about 20 years ago tried to get in on it. Did anyone see all those? They had the life of David, the life of Noah, the life of Moses. So they do the life of Noah. Do anyone remember these? The life of Noah starts out with Noah going off to get his nephew Lot out of... Thank you. Thank you. Is there a Baptist in the room? For those that are biblically impaired... Noah's nephew wasn't Lot. That was Abraham's. Well, you know, that slid right by everybody. So that's why I want to be a consultant to Hollywood to get the casting right. You know, Sarah should be hot. Abraham is Jewish. And then the Jesus movie. I mean, my goodness, the Jesus movie. Uh, you know, it's, it was made a long time ago. And, and I mean, millions have come to the Lord. I love that. But it needs to be a little updated, in my opinion. They're a little stiff. They're, they are a little stiff. You ever see the Jesus? Follow me, Jesus said. You know, it's like they drop their nets like, uh. It's like the night of the living dead all of a sudden, you know. What's wrong with updating the Jesus movie? We need the Jesus movie, too. He's coming back and he's ticked. The Jesus movie three. He never came back. Now we're ticked. <laughs> Isn't that what's happening out there? 
It's called hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm like, Lord, you know, I mean, what's going on? You know, I realize something. God says when he gives you a word, I'm, I'm prophetic, by the way. Uh, and uh, when he gives you a word, I'm about to do something. I used to get all excited about that until I realized he's the God of the ages. He's about to do something means, yeah, that could be a million years. So I don't even stand up for those about to words anymore. I'm a, I, someone's prophesying, I'm about to. The Lord's about to. I'm like, come on, Lord, do it. Do it. Do it. Come on. Come on, God, do it. I don't want another about to word. Right? I, I'm serious. I went on strike as a prophet. I did. Two years ago, I went on strike. And when you get into the place of, you know, like I am in, in the office of a prophet, might not look like it, but in, in the office of the prophet, yeah, I got it. <laughs> it's the weirdest looking office you've ever seen. There's a lava lamp and, you know. <laughs> but as a prophet, I just said, God. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. People are, are sick from not really, uh, not really seeing the money, not really seeing the results. And I said it just two years ago. I did. I stood up and said, you know, with all due respect, Father, I don't want to prophesy until you do something. I don't want another about to word. And I stopped giving about to words. And then I got in his face because, you know, you can do that. You can do that with God. Got in his face and just said, would you do it, God? Would you do something? That's when I started getting, and I asked for this. I said, God, I want names. I want dates. I want times. I want, I want seasons. I want to know stuff. I don't want to just know what's going to happen someday. I want to know stuff now. And then that's what happened to my gift. Suddenly, God says, okay, watch this, you know. And... I told you I spray. Did I spit on you? I'm like Gallagher. I'm the spray-o-matic. You know, the first five rows. That's why these guys got here. You know, like, their bottle on it. Like, hey, it was Doug, Ad- Doug Addison spit, you know. Oh, gross. Sorry. Wow. And I started getting dates and times and seasons. And that's why I started releasing. I have the daily prophetic word. Anyone know about the daily prophetic word? What about the rest of you, man? You missed it. <laughs> It's on Facebook and Twitter, Daily Prophetic. The Lord told me about two years ago to start releasing uh, daily prophetic words. And I got accused of, 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 uh, of pro- prophesying in horoscope. Everyone says it's, it's, it looks like a, 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 a fortune cookie. I said, it's on Twitter. It's, a only in, uh, it's 140 characters. Let's see you prophesy in 140 characters. Come on. Bethel School, I mean, that's where your graduation should be. Prophesy in 140 characters and get it right. Then it's time for you to leave. It's tough. It's tough. to. You don't have time to exegete the passages. 140 characters. That's why it sounds like, you know, it sounds like, but it's, it's holy scope. How about it? It's holy scope. So you can go out and hashtag Daily Prophetic or just look me up on, and, uh, on Facebook or Twitter and, and the Daily Prophetic Words. Now, for two years, 
I actually, uh, it's weird. It comes on me in the middle of the night. It's a new thing that the Lord's been doing. See, I used to, be a, uh, used to do prophetic evangelism. I was out in front of people on the street all the time. I trained uh, a team. How many people have I trained in the room or gone out with me or something? Uh, thank you. I'm really popular. <laughs> but I was used to being in front of people all the time. I could prophesy a hundred. I could give a hundred words an hour. I know. I, I timed it. Uh, once because I, I, I prophesied over a whole church of 500 people and I could do 100 an hour, but it will cost you a lot of protein, uh, steak, you know, cattlemen's at least, you know, if I'm going to do 100 an hour. Come on, come on. <laughs> Don't muzzle the ox. This is biblical, you know. <laughs> so I was used to being in front of people all the time out on the street, giving words of knowledge, giving prophecies like that. See, out on the street, you don't have time to blow a shofar. I love shofars. Nothing to... <laughs> we got the whole shofar section over there. I think we should, we should uh, invent things to make money for the kingdom, right? The Joseph anointing. So, you know, like if you get in a meeting, like one of the, one of the meeting tonight, how long we worship, you know, uh, you know, a couple of hours, you get tired from blowing shofars. So we could have, we could have a whole, like a, a line of products. We could call them blowfars. And uh, what you do is you take one of those air horns and you duct tape it to a shofar. <laughs> Have you been worshiping so long your lips cannot blow another shofar? We've got the blowfar. <laughs> creative here how about you're worshiping too long you can't hold your arms up anymore we got the Aaron and her arm props we could turn those you ever see the guys walking around with the beer up in their hat and the little straws coming down I guess you've never done outreach but <laughs> never been to Mardi Gras I take it or you know but they, they actually have hats at the, at, the, at the swap meets with beers up there. We could put anointing oil and, you know, and go around shooting people like 20-footers, you know. <laughs> There's all kinds of products we could help increase the kingdom with, right? Oh, I never thought of that. Worshipgear.com. We need to... You know, specially, and you guys should have been on this website because they have these fold-out chairs, actually, that, that, that double as a Bible. You know, you just come in. <laughs> hey, look, I got a chair. Oh. How about that? Anyway, uh, was I saved in my story yet? So, uh, back, uh, my name is Doug Addison. That's spelled A-D-D. Which means we're going to get there. <laughs> Where's he going? Whoa, he was out there, but he's... Where's he going? It was, was I saved yet? Yeah, I went to the Berkeley Institute for Psychics. <laughs> Ended up with a beer can on top of... <laughs> no one's getting... <laughs> What's he saying? 
Is he saved? Is this guy saved? So the psychic saw a dark spirit in me and several around me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're like the guy that Jesus talked about that, that he drove the demon out of his house and it went got seven more and came back and overtook that house. And that was me. Back in the 80s. Came out of, the, came out of, the, uh, came out of extreme darkness. That's what I call it. Extreme. Not deep. Extreme. <laughs> How deep was your darkness? Hopefully, there's the rest of you who aren't, who didn't have to experience it. I hope you did. You know, I had to actually uh, pay a price for getting, you know, for what I know, what I know now. I could tell you everything I know right now. Because I was in darkness so deep, you know, that, uh, and when I came out, you know, of darkness back in 1987, uh, people actually find out I was in the occult. They want to bring me in. They want to fly me in to tell, tell them about, uh, about strategies of Satan in their city. Levels of darkness and various demons. I'm like, dude, why would you want to know that? You know, like I could, you didn't have to fly me in here. Get out your paper and pencil right now. You want to know what Satan's doing in your town? You want to know? You want to know what he's doing in your family? Lying, cheating, and stealing. What more do you need to know for crying out loud? We're so hung up on demons these days that we miss God. We miss God. You know, I would rather know what God's up to. Times, dates, names, and seasons. Right? I don't even listen to demons anymore. You know why? They're liars. I heard one the other day. I'm going to kill you. I don't taunt them. I don't taunt demons. I don't listen to demons. But I watch for angels. Because that's all I used to see is demons. And there's people in the room right now that you see demons, right? I mean, uh, I see demons. It, is a, it was a TV show. And, uh, but, uh, but because some of you, how many people do see demons and st- things like that? Because some of you get, no, I'm not going to dish you here, is, is you're afraid. I'm afraid to raise my hand. What's it going <laughs> to do to me? Because you have a gift of discernment of spirits. How many people see, like, I, I, I used to go out and give encouraging words over people, right? And, but everyone's giving encouraging words, but you're getting negative words. Everyone's, like, talking about the person, you know, coming out and, oh, wonderful things, and God's going to do things, and birds are tweeting and everything. It's going to be cool. And you're hearing, death, suicide, cancer. <laughs> Repent is what you're hearing, right? How many people get that? Because I did, honestly. You have a gift of discernment of spirits. And the thing is, is that, uh, you know, what happens is, you know, we get around people and we see things that the enemy is doing, right? And then if, if you know, someone says something to you, man, you should be a little more encouraging. And you, you have to say, but I can't lie, right? Come on, someone help me out. But I can't lie. Here's the deal. Let me help you. I have the gift of discernment of spirits. And for the longest time, all I saw was the negative things. That's all I saw. I, I saw demons. I saw darkness. I saw sickness over people. Then one day, the Lord told me. He said, did you know? I figured this out. He says, my kingdom is opposite of the kingdom of darkness. My kingdom is a kingdom of light. And I've given you a gift to be able to see darkness. But I don't want you to come into agreement with darkness over that person. I've never heard a teaching on this. So I made one up myself. 
Did you feel that power surge? <laughs> I had hope. I had help with the Holy Spirit, apparently. And, uh, <laughs> but no, really, the, the thing is, is that if you see something negative over a person, it's not God's will, is it? It's Satan's will. What Christians don't understand, what we're not trained to do is to recognize Satan's will and flip that around to find God's will. You can do that. I see people now, man, they're the nastiest looking demonic stuff going on. And I say, hey, wow, you got to be kidding. It's a good day for you. You know why? You know why? Thank you. Why would the enemy mess with you unless you're a threat? Why would Satan mess with any one of you, even in this room, unless you are a threat? So how many of you are experiencing financial loss, sicknesses, anything to do with darkness, right? Depression, any mind attacks, any body attacks, family attacks. Let's see the hands. Let me see. It's a good day. Why? It's a good day. Why would the enemy work overtime unless you have an amazing calling on your life and the enemy wants to hold you down. It's a good day. So what I learned to do is flip things around to get into the kingdom of God. You can see the darkness. The opposite is what God wants. If you see something over someone, like suicide over someone, what's what's their calling then? Life, to give life, to be life, to bring life, to breathe life instead of death, right? If you see sickness, what's the opposite? Health, wholeness to help others who suffer, right? If you come against, if it comes against your mind, depression, what's the opposite? Joy, peace, all hope. Thank you. Someone, someone needs us out there. Come on, Father, in Jesus' name. Yeah. Wow. So I realize this. It's the ministry of the opposites. It's as easy, really. Someone told me once, you can't do that. You can't, you can't just list out all these demonic things over a person and flip them around and find God's will. And I said, watch me. <laughs> it's as easy as that. I mean, this is better than easy bake oven and stuff, man. This is like, it's, it's really easy. You just see that negative stuff even in your own life. And then you begin to proclaim and prophesy the opposite. But see, what the church, what we've been trained to do is, is we were all of a sudden seeing the, the, the enemy's work because it's, what gift is it? Sermon of Spirits, 1 Corinthians 12, right? We're, we're, but what happens is if you go up and tell the person, did you know you're depressed and there's a, de- there's a demon of depression sitting on you? Well, might as well chisel their tombstone. That's not prophetic because they they already know that. Tell them something they don't know. They already know about the demonic forces holding them down. Really. They're probably well acquainted with the demons. Tell them the opposite of what's going to happen or how you would see them as they come out of it. I I, I see this all the time. And then uh, you can flip that. You know, I call it flip it and flip it good. Crack that wood. <laughs> so I want to help you tonight so that we don't come into agreement with Satan. 
mean, I still want to use that gift to identify things that people uh, need nudged out. But we in the church, I was stunned when I came out of darkness and went into the church. I was stunned at how demonic focused the church was. I was like, dude, why are you guys doing this? Why are you focused on darkness when we've got light? We've got the angels. We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the God of the universe inside you. We've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead working inside you. Why would you? My goodness, when I read the Bible, turn in your iPads, uh, you know. <laughs> when I read the Bible, I don't see the Apostle Paul talking about how many demons are holding them down and what their names are. I don't see them say it at all. They really, very little reference to the enemy. Very little. Jesus confronts them at the beginning, a couple times in the middle. I love the way he does it in the middle. Satan's always trying to kill him from the day he left the wilderness. Satan was trying to kill him over and over. If I redid the Jesus movie, I'd have more of those scenes. <laughs> Re-encounters with Satan, you know. Satan tried to kill him. People throw him off the crowd. He vanishes into the crowd. Do you realize it was a divine disappearance? He didn't vanish into the crowd. Suddenly, <laughs> he was there. Now he's not. Satan tries to kill him another time in a boat and a storm comes up. And so what's he do? One time, sleeps in the belly of the boat. Next time, he walks on the water. He's breakdancing. One time, he sleeps. The next time, he rises above. There's a message in that. When the enemy attacks you, you either rise above it or you rest in it. Because knowing that God is with you. And then he, we don't have to focus on it. He, you know, he got to rebuke the storm. He never said anything about Satan. And we, we give him too much power. You know why I'm saying this? This is the prophetic word for 2014. Church, stop focusing on Satan. It is. We have to stop focusing on the enemy and start focusing more on the Lord. This is my secret to my success is I stop listening to demons. And people say to me, will you lay hands on me and pray that, you know, that I would see angels? Because I, used, I didn't see angels for a while. You know, it took some time to, to jumpstart it. But I pray you see it instantly. How many people want to see angels? How many people, honestly, be honest, are afraid to see angels? Come on. Come on. Because that was what was wrong with me. I was, how many people were afraid because you had nightmares as a kid, right? How many people had nightmares as a kid? And then of you guys, are you afraid to see angels and stuff? Anybody? See, this is a, an attack of the enemy right now. A plan of the enemy. I talk a little bit about the plans of the enemy. One of the plans of the enemy right now is to give children nightmares. Did you know that the same number of demons exist on the earth today than the beginning of time? Demons can't multiply. They, they can't. They don't multiply. It's the same number. Now, we have 7 billion people on earth, and Satan and his demonic hordes now have their hands full. So they're, do, they're doing these new strategies. One of them, I saw it. The Lord showed me that one of the strategies of the enemy is to get children to have nightmares, and then they'd be afraid of the supernatural. And God's the creator of the supernatural. I grew up, I was scared. Boy, I was scared about the supernatural. You know, I was, I, there was demons in my room and, and uh, nightmares. How many people are having those nightmares or your kids? All right, well, let's just pray over them right now. Father, in Jesus' name, watch this. 
We don't even have to lay hands on you. Because there's an anointing here. Nothing up my sleeves. Watch this. <laughs> Father, we pray in Jesus' name that those nightmares stop. Those chasing and running dreams stop. Night terrors stop in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray that you'd release angelic encounters. Angelic encounters. All over this room. Angelic encounters. Angels, are they not ministering spirits sent to minister to those who, are in, who have an inheritance in the kingdom? Come on. And then the church got all wigged out over angels. You know, and did you know that I came out of New Age now and I'm a missionary to the New Age? And did you know that the New Age think I'm Christian and the Christians think I'm New Age? Does this happen to anybody else? You start doing the things of God. People are going to think you're weird, right? Really, they will think you're weird. And you know what? I just want to say, I'm going to release a prophetic word. It's okay to be weird. In 2014, weird is in. <laughs> what? <laughs> but brother, you don't know what you're saying. Church might get messy. Yeah. <laughs> of course, I'm leaving town. Notice I don't pastor anymore. <laughs> I'll just tell you about it. I don't know how to pastor it, you know. <laughs> yeah, we did. We pastored weird for a while, uh, Linda and I. Uh, in fact, our ministry teams... Uh, we would put Looney Tune stickers on people, and if you want prayer, find a Looney Tune. That was weird. We were outside the box back then. Remember the Teletubbies? Anyone remember the Teletubbies? I mean, it was a big stink over the Teletubbies. I mean, you know, like Tinky Winky was gay. He's a teddy bear. Am I getting out there too far? So in 1998, in the big stink of, of, uh, of, of the Teletubbies and the grand opening of our church in Kent State, uh, Kent, Ohio, we had the Teletubby full-life costumes out front of our church, <laughs> handing out free sodas and stuff. And Tinky Winky was not gay. That's a vicious rumor. Fear-based, fear-based. We were outside the box during our era. I mean, that, that was so cool. I mean, you know, you drive by, and of course, someone threw eggs at us. And, you know, it was a church. Christians, Christians, it was Christians doing it. Was it the New Age or anything like that? The New Age came down to join us. Whoa. What's up with the Teletubbies, you know? What's that weird feeling in here? Why am I hot, cold, and laughing and crying all at once? <laughs> it's the Teletubbies. No, it's the Holy Spirit. Whoa. <laughs> oh, you guys are too easy. <laughs> all right. I'll step back. I'll step back here. 
So anyway, the, the prophetic word for 2014 really is that God is moving outside the church. God is moving. And that he's opening up a golden gate is what I heard. He's opening a golden gate that we all can walk through in 2014. Um, I just wanted to uh, recap real quick for those of you uh, who didn't know, because I didn't even know. Um, I had to, I prophesy so much, I, I forget what I prophesy. Anyone ever do that? I'm, I mean, when you do a daily prophetic, you do a bunch of monthly words, and you're given 5,000 prophetic words a year, you got to forget what goes on out there. You know, use your gift. Go ahead. Abuse it. Use it. Wear it out. Break the box. God will give you another one, you know. Break it all. Break it down. Break up the box and make signs or something. Have a good time. So in 2013, you know, us prophetic people, <clears throat> they call us in first of the year. We'd like to know on the prophetic update. Almost like we're weather people, you know. You know, they never hold the weatherman accountable, you know. You ever, you ever want to hold the Hey, dude, you know, he's way off. Hey, he was way off. That's why weather people, weather men and women, they show pictures of puppies and sunsets, especially in California. You know what I'm saying? Because it's tricky to predict the weather. Back east or Midwest, they just watch the weatherman from the other state and multiply it by two. Depends on what state it is. But God's doing something right now. He's changing things around. In 2013, I had prophesied that it was the year of uh, Proverbs 13, 12. It was a year of hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. But a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. Right? Well, God told me to prophesy it in the message. The message uh, says this. Unrelenting disappointments leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. How many people got a sudden good break this year? Anybody? Come on, let's see your hands. All right, let's say, hey, I'm pretty accurate. A sudden good break. We got one. Most people got them, but they don't know they got them. If you don't journal every day or track stuff, how do you know what you got? I didn't even know I prophesied this till I went back to my journal. Really, I went back to, I journal every day. And you, you say, well, what do you journal about? Well, I don't know. Just, I'll do a bullet point and just write something. You don't have to have some profound thought to put in there. Just write whatever's going on. I'm in, I'm in Pleasanton, California. Yeah, that was it. That was the journal. <laughs> You're wondering more. That's what I put today. I just put a, a bullet point. And said, I'm in Pleasanton, California. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and fill in yesterday with what happened. I'm telling you a secret here. This is how to grow in your prophetic gift. Fill in the details from yesterday, tomorrow. Journal from a future standpoint, and then it's deep. On today, all I did was bullet points. I'm speaking in, you know, at this church on a prophetic thing, blah, blah, blah. A little bit about my health, you know. Uh, but one thing, don't put in your journal. Don't track your sins. Don't, because, you know, they're under the blood. They're erased. Right? Don't grumble. Don't grumble in your journal. I want to help you out for 2014. Begin to look for the goodness of God and you will find it. And it will find you. If you look for evil, it will find you. 
There's a Proverbs that says, if you look for evil, it will find you. You want to search out for good. Let the good find you. Because that's what we're up against uh, coming into the new year. So uh, on February 3rd, Sunday, I tweeted. Uh, I couldn't believe I tweeted this. Because the, the daily prophetic words, I don't know if you know this. But um, I, I get them like uh, maybe sometimes I get them uh, like a three weeks in advance. Sometimes a month in advance. Other, other seasons that I'm in, I get them a week in advance. I don't even know. I just wake up and when the daily prophetic anointing words, uh, uh, daily prophetic word anointing is on me. It's usually three in the morning, which I do not get. I'm a musician, and I do not get the three in the morning stuff that God does. I want with you. Uh, but um, I get up, and I, I just start doing the daily prophetic till it lifts off me, till it gets heavy, and I can't really, it doesn't come automatically. I don't try to push it. Uh, but usually it's three weeks uh, or a month in advance. Um, but February 3rd, 2013, I tweeted this. In fact, I was shocked. I don't even remember tweeting any of my daily prophetic words because I get them way in advance, right? I don't even think about them. So I actually go to Twitter to hear God on my own daily prophetic words. I do. I'm shocked as anybody. Anyone ever get a confirmation off of one of those? Come on. Yeah, you get a confirmation. That's what they're made for. And it's not every one of them will speak to every person, but somewhere along the line, something's going to happen. And so uh, I remember someone sent one to me. They retweeted one. I'm like, wow, who was this, man? I should, this guy's good. I should get him to pray for me. Like, oh, it was me. <laughs> I'm serious. That did happen. All right, someone retweeted one of my words. I thought, hey, they're stealing my words. No, it's a retweet. Oh. Kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. JK, JK. So on Sunday, February 3rd, 2013, the morning of the Super Bowl, which I didn't even know when I, when I, when I tweeted this, I tweeted, a prophetic sign from God will be seen around the world today. Like, I didn't tweet that, did I? You know, when I woke up, like, usually, you, you know, prophetic people, we don't want to tweet things that were, were wrong. You know what I'm saying? Because then people think you're a false prophet if you're wrong, even though... Inaccuracy is not uh, false prophecy, according to the Bible. That's a misunderstood thing. Inaccuracy is not a sign of a false prophet. It's leading people to other gods is a sign of a false prophet. You've got to read the context. If you look up Agabus in the, in the book of Acts, he was off a little bit on who got arrested. He was off a little bit. He's in the ballpark. Guess what counts? He was in the ballpark. Right? You want to be in the ballpark. You don't want to just totally miss it, you know? You know? The owner of this shoe is going to be bound up by its shoestrings. No, no, it was the owner of the belt. You know, if he would have said shoe, he would have missed it. You guys aren't getting this. Huh? So the daily prophetic comes on me, and I was like, on the day of the Super Bowl, I I prophesied that there's going to be a sign seen around the world. You know what the sign was? Yeah, the lights, half the lights went out. Half the lights. Well, we were DVR in the Super Bowl, and, and we were behind, and because we don't like commercials, except on Super Bowl. Uh, but um, we were behind, and all of a sudden, my, my cell phone started going off with a bunch of texts from people who know me. Like, you know, I didn't even want to look. Dude, did you see your word come to pass? You know, what's it mean? Like, I don't know. You know, what's it? I'm just the UPS guy, you know. I don't help you put it together and put batteries in, you know. I just prophesy. I'm union. I don't even catch. 
Whoops. Doug Addison School of Ministry. Breakaway moves. Whoa. I found out a long time ago, I like my arms left in sockets, please. Yep. <laughs> anyway. So on, uh, on February 3rd, I said this, that, you know, that sign. Well, here was the significance of the numbers. The Lord spoke to me. The score at the time of the, of the blackout was 28 uh, to 6, which is, uh, equals 34. The lights went out for 34 minutes. It happened in the third quarter, 3 slash 4. The final score was 34. And then there was a couple other miscellaneous numbers going on in there. Uh, but um, I recognize that. There must be something. And then I see someone out there tweeting that after I re- released it was number 34, right? The significance of the Super Bowl was 34. I knew someone was going to go jump on it and, and find a judgment verse. <laughs> Yep, Isaiah 34. I knew it because it happened in New Orleans and God is ticked. Well, guess what? It wasn't Isaiah 34 at all. The Lord told me, he says, no, it's Ezekiel 34. And if he was mad at anybody, he was upset at the church. Ezekiel 34 is about the shepherds who have uh, not allowed the sheep, the, the weaker sheep, to come. And I prophesied this, not anything against pastors at all or anything against the church, but that, uh, that we would be able to see this time where we're going to see amazing movement of God. But I want to tell you, judgment comes to the house of God first. It always does. And we, it comes to myself. I tell you, when I get a word from God, I let it search me. When my staff and I, when we hear the Lord, the first thing we do is repent of the thing we just heard. Whether it's for me or not, I repented of the very thing that I just heard so that Satan can come, but he will not find anything in you. Because there's probably not a person in the room that's spotless. Jesus said, let the first person uh, without sin cast the stone. And that you must repent of the things. If I get a prophetic word about, you know, the, uh, anything about the Jezebel spirit or control or God wanting to judge anything, what do I do? What do you do? What do we do? Repent. We say, God, I pray that nothing would be found in me if you could reveal it if it's in there right now. In fact, we pray this every day. Um, show me what Satan doesn't want me to see. Cleanse my heart. Show me what Satan doesn't want me to see. And so we repent first. That way you'll have authority to deal with it. And then you don't want to blow people away. The prophetic's not all about, hey, watch this. Yeah, I got a word all right. Repent. The significance of the word on the Super Bowl that only half the lights went out. The church has been operating at half power. Have you noticed it? The church is operating at half power right now. And the Lord's calling us up to operate at full power. He is. He's calling us to not be part of the ones that, that, and I'm not talking about leaders here, but the shepherds. I'm talking about all of us who are shepherds. We're all in some way, shape, or form. We're, we're all the, um, part of being able to help people come to the Lord. But if we are actually 
Uh, and this is what the Lord showed me, is, is if we are uh, causing people to not be able to come to the Lord, get in their way, judge them, or do something that's damaging them, then we could be guilty of that, you know? And, and it's happening today. People don't realize what I'm saying until I start talking about the details of it. Because I begin to see a move of God happening. You know, I was a missionary. I've been a missionary to people in the New Age movement. And when we first started out, they told us we couldn't do that. You can't do that. You can't go into New Age events. You know, you can't go in there and do that stuff. Well, we found out that God could do it. God would fill. There's a move of God. There's, a, there's an amazing uh, a movement happening at Burning Man, at, 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 uh, you know, at, at these places that are evil. There are, there's moves of God, but they won't come back in the church. They won't. That's why they left. Most of them were pastors, kids, backslidden Christians. They bring them back in the church. They go, well, that's why we left. So they are actually experiencing the Holy Spirit and Jesus outside the church right now. There's a group of them. And I'm not dissing church. I do everything I, I do through church. But if they won't, that group won't come back in. We've got to find a way to reach them. So 10 years ago, they said, you can't do that. Well, yes, we can. We found out, yes, there is a move of God and the Holy Spirit is moving in the new age. And then uh, I started uh, about nine years ago, I started because I'm a dream interpreter. That's, what we, that's how we would get into the new age events, interpret dreams, um, give prophetic words. So about nine years ago, I started interpreting tattoos. I started using the same understanding of dreams on tattoos. Anyone see that in Father of Lights or anything? You know, tattoo interpretation. I'm not. Telling people to get tattoos. There's a billion people on earth who have tats. And the Lord told me, look up. The fields are ripe for harvest. Just go out and tell them more about the tattoo. I don't care if it's evil or not. Because if it's evil, what is it? Flip it. And flip it good. I interpreted a guy that was over in England. I interpreted his tats. You know, he had the newer tats. And you could tell there's redos, you know. Uh, that's when they came to the Lord, there was an evil tat, and they redid it. Or they got some guy on Venice Beach who couldn't spell. And, uh, and, you know, like, <laughs> anyone get an angle tattoo? <laughs> get your money back. The, the Doug Addison guide to tattoos is make sure they can spell. What's angle? It's angel. It's angel. <laughs> so I started interpreting tattoos, but I couldn't come public with it. The Lord, you know, when the Lord told me to come out with it in 2010, I go, oh, you know, I've been in the closet. He told me to come out of the closet, and I don't mean gay. That's what he told me. <laughs> I want you to come out of the closet with tats. I go, wait a minute. We take offerings. They read Leviticus 19.26, you know, 28. They, you know. And he says, no, I want you to come out with it. And I began to, and of course, I've been beat with everything. And I got Leviticus 19.28 branded on my back. And I got whips, you know. Back from being a missionary to the New Age, I was being whipped with 1 Corinthians 14.22, prophecies not for the unbeliever. But Jesus prophesied to an unbeliever in John chapter 4 that would make him unbiblical. Nan, 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 nan. <laughs> anyway. I didn't say that, did I? You got to look at the fullness of it. You know, Leviticus 19.28 says don't get a tattoo. But Leviticus 
7-Eleven says don't eat pork. Do we really have bacon eaters judging people with tattoos using Leviticus as their basis? I'm just saying. It means I'm not going to prove it theologically. I'm not saying get a tattoo. But I'm trying to build the bridge with the generation that doesn't understand tattoos with the people who do. And I'm trying to get it to where we can get into a place where we can actually prophesy over tattoos. It's so much fun. And I, I became the tattoo prophet. How cool is that? That's what we're doing in Hollywood now. Working on a show called The Tattoo Prophet. Because, you know, they wouldn't let me go on, you know, at, uh, you know want a reality show. They wouldn't let me do, be the L.A. prophet. Even though I'd like to be, they have a Long Island medium. Why can't we have an L.A. prophet? You know, just saying. There's the, I'm just saying. I need someone to come with me, like, really young. Kind of, I'm just saying. Just saying. Why not? But I changed it one word instead of L.A. prophet, changed it to tattoo prophet. Like, whoa, totally. We get a show. Wow. Because God's doing something new right now. This is new and outside the box. And God wants to do something new. Right? And so I've been, uh, been seeing this move of God happen in the tattooed Pierce group, which has no age limit, which is cool. There's no age limit in that group. It's young and old. And I, the oldest tattoo I ever, it was so cool, the oldest tattoo I've ever interpreted was on a guy who was on, he was a survivor from Pearl Harbor. He was on the ship that didn't sink. And he showed me. They call him Lucky Buck. That's what they called him. Yep. And he has his old, gnarly looking tattoo. He says, I got it on the day after Pearl Harbor for $5. And it was a symbol. Because on the ship, there was only two ships. One ship, a thousand pound bomb went through and didn't explode. He said it went right through the mess hall, made a mess. <laughs> Oldest tattoo. What was that, 1944, 41? Someone help me. with. Someone watches the History Channel? Yeah. 1941. Oldest tattoo I've ever interpreted. Youngest? I don't even want to say. I don't know. I had to get permission slips from, from their parents. I just want you to know that I personally think that it's up to you and God if you want to get a tattoo, and your parents. Moms trump the Holy Spirit. I just want you to know that moms can trump. It's biblical. John chapter 4, Jesus turns the water to wine, right? And his, he says, uh, you know, his mom comes up and says, here, do this miracle. And he says, woman, my time has not yet come. He's, he's like going to get out of God's timing. But because his mom said so, he was allowed to. It's true, it's biblical. Did you ever see that? Woman, my time has not yet come. You don't see anything after that. You know she's just pointing. Here's my question. Why did they run out of wine after Jesus and his disciples show up? He brought a bunch of sailors, Peter, James, and John. Why did they hold them accountable?
they were backing the chariots in, you know, in case we had to get out of here, you know. He knows they need a savior. This is Jesus. It's hidden in the scripture. He knows they need a savior. He knows they need a Messiah. He knows all that. He hadn't even preached yet. But you know what he does? How about two jugs of wine instead? That's shocking to most people. He got quiet. How about two jugs of wine instead? Because he's got to get people to a place to be able to, warmed up to be able to, well, in a sense, warmed up to a miracle of all miracles. Praise the Lord. Wine from water. Nowadays, Christians want to turn the wine to, uh, we, they want to turn the wine to water. We got it backwards. That won't work over in England. We were founded by the Puritans. That's our problem. We're trying to be pu- too pure over here. We can't reach anybody. I'm not saying don't be unholy. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that we've got to not be holier than thou. That we've got to be able to communicate with people. We've got to be able to touch people. Because God's doing something outside the box right now. 2014 will be about touching people outside the box. And the Lord told me, he said, my agenda for 2014 is the outcast. The spiritual outcast. And you can read Ezekiel 34 about the condition of what happened when, when we push people away from the trough to be able to get up to it. And when we push people who are different than us, whether they're, you know, whether they have tats or we didn't understand it, uh, and uh, whether they're gay and lesbian, uh, whether they're Muslim, uh, whether they're Democrat, uh, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Can we talk? I have a lot of openings in my speaking schedule when I talk about this stuff. I'm serious. I got up one night and said, let's just talk about the hot buttons. You know, let's talk about things that matter tonight. And I talked about, I did a a message on gay marriage, abortion, and President Obama. I never got invited back. (laughs) Well, if we don't know how to talk about it or work with it or, or work with people, people matter. People matter to the Lord. And I want to say that. The people matter to the Lord. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. God's not into doctrine. And, and he's into people. And for 2014, I'm not saying throw your doctrine away. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I still have mine. I do. I have my beliefs. I have my statement of faith. And I, I, I am not compromising anything like that. But what I am doing is making room for doing it like Jesus did it. I'm making room hang, for hanging out with people or touching people or teaching people to touch people in an appropriate way, of course. But teaching people to... <laughs> if you're taking notes out there. God says 2014 is going to be a time that the outcasts, the spiritual outcasts, those that have been wounded by the church are God's agenda now. And I, hear, I heard this prophetic word. Ali, Ali, oxen free. It's safe to come home. And we have to make it safe. So God is looking for people to love people. Wow, he does. I was one of them. How about you? You know, I was one of those people. It took me a while. I'm praying now it won't take a long time. 
right? So uh, another one from 2013. This is why I want to say this, because this is what God's doing in 2014. On, um, on May 5th, I was sitting, Linda and I, uh, we live in, in, right outside of Santa Monica right now, but we just moved from Santa Maria. And on May 5th, I was, uh, we were sitting in our house uh, in Santa Maria, and we were watching TV. And um, I was awakened on 5-5. I was awakened at 5 a.m. with only 5.5 hours of sleep. Yes, I do too much math. And, um, <laughs> but I knew something was up. And so I literally saw that night, I saw angelic, green angelic lights dancing on the wall. Green angelic lights dancing on the wall. And I wasn't all that bright at the time, but I, I made a note in my journal. I saw Green angelic light dancing on the wall. You know, I mean, it's... <laughs> Two days later, I was traveling to speak in Pennsylvania. I'm one of the uh, prophetic... Uh, uh, I'm on the staff for... Uh, faculty staff for Global Awakening with Randy Clark. And I'm, I'm one of the prophetic school teachers. So every year, I make my, my journey back to uh, Mechanicsburg, uh, Pennsylvania. And I, I train the, uh, the, the global... School of Supernatural. I'll, I'll train every school of the Supernatural, actually. I make my rounds um, and um, train all the schools. And I was going back there, and I, was, I had a really bad ticket. You know, when you get to be my age, by the way, uh, and, you know, I travel a lot. I just got off 11 years of 150 days a year on the road. And I travel a lot. So because I travel a lot, I don't really like long connections. That's for the interns. I don't like $299 tickets that you got to get up at 2 in the morning because I'm, gonna, I'm 54 years old. I deserve to sleep in. I mean, I don't know about you. <laughs> I get worn out. I mean, I can't really do this. I'll pay the extra. I don't care. I'll pay the extra to sleep a couple hours. That's how you get older. You pay to sleep. I'll upgrade me. And so I was traveling, and, uh, and so I had this really bad ticket. I was flying from Santa Barbara to Los An- no, to San Francisco, then to Cleveland, Ohio, then to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Now, that's a bad ticket. I don't know, uh, you know, uh, my assistant, it was myself at the time, I booked it. At, um, <laughs> who booked this ticket? I looked at the ticket, I'm like, who books? And God says... I want you to pray in the cities that you, that you land in because I'm going to do something in those cities. So I had my layover in San Francisco. I love that, you know, because I get off onto the, literally onto the tarmac because I've been one of those propeller planes that come from Santa Barbara. And I literally go, God, do it now. Do it in Jesus' name. I spoke over the city. And um, yeah, so some stuff has happened that you don't know about. And, and this is what God told me to tell you. It, things will happen that you don't know about everywhere you place your feet. So then I flew from there to Cleveland, Ohio, on May 7th, I believe it was. And um, I had a layover in Cleveland. And God told me to pray in each city. I knew what to pray in San Francisco. I knew that. You know, we lived in the Bay Area for uh, almost 20 years. And I know how to pray over the Bay Area. I've been pounding on the doors, you know. And, but when we got to Cleveland, I'm actually from, my daughter lives in Cleveland. I'm from Akron. I grew up in Akron, Ohio. And I, I knew that I'd been a California transplant, you know, for more than half my life now. But I knew when I flew through, to Cleveland, through Cleveland, I had to pray what the Holy Spirit showed me. But I'm a seer. I see things 
I look around to see something. I look at the scores, 34. I look at the clock, 5.5. I look at the dates. I look literally at things and see the meaning behind them. So I look around in Cleveland, Ohio, and I see the, uh, the control tower. The old one had scaffolding around it. It was being torn down. And as a seer, that's easy. As a dream interpreter, like control is being removed. Old control is being torn down. So I came into agreement with the Lord because we're, I'm looking right at the old control tower and I just say, Father, I agree right now in the name of Jesus that control be, will be removed and those who have been held by control will be, the captives will be set free in Jesus' name. And we took off. I land, uh, and then I told the, the next day, I land in, uh, you know, in Harrisburg. I come the next day to the school. I said, something's going to happen in Cleveland. Watch. And guess what? That very moment that I had prayed, 7 p.m., Amanda Berry and that group that was held captive for 20 years got set free. I'm just saying. God wants to do this with you. I wouldn't even have known. I mean, I would have missed it myself. The Lord showed me. I woke up. And there's an angel in my room that, at the hotel. There's an angel in my room on May 8th. And, uh, and the Lord told me, click the TV on right now. I want you to show you something. So I clicked the TV on. And it's the, the release of the captives that had been held, these, these women who had been held almost 20 years, right? You know what I'm saying? And God says, he says, tell my people I'm doing this right now, but they don't realize it. So stop your complaining. That's what he says. He says, stop complaining and start praying. Because you don't know what's going to happen if you're standing in line. You don't know why you were delayed. And I try to do it. I try not to complain or grumble now because you don't know what's going to happen. That was a highlight for me in 2013. It was a highlight. That was so much fun. And not only that, my own daughter's name is Amanda who lives in Cleveland. And God spoke to me and said, my own daughter's going to start awakening more to the Lord as a result because I prayed over another one and it's going to be a, 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 you know, a pinball effect is going to happen right now. And sure enough, my own daughter started, she called me up, she's 29, she called me up and says, hey, Dad, I'm getting those things that you have. <laughs> you know, only she's getting them for, like, how to get a deal. Like, you know, that's how God will work any way you'll listen. She doesn't have, she didn't have much money. She's married with a child. They bought a house, and now she needs a deal. The Lord told her. She didn't, she didn't say that. She says, I just knew which street to go down. And there it was, you know. I needed a desk. It was on this trash at the side of the road. It picked up. It's like new. She goes, but she knew what it was. One of those things that dad has. Whoa. So then... Uh, where uh, in August, her and I are in a, in a in, we're in Akron, Ohio, and uh, we're in a bar in Chili's at Chili's, you know, and and um, she prophesies over the gay bartender, and she nailed it. I mean, I was proud of her. Like, whoa, she pulled it right in the crosshairs. She was better than me. I had the prophetic word. She trumped me, you know. <laughs> the gay bartender was going to go. He's on his way out to California to be on a show, a reality show, as one of the singing shows, you know. And, uh, and, and he's on his way out there, and he didn't know whether he, he should go to Las Vegas or, or, um, or L.A. To, to be found. And I says, well, L.A. is cool. And she trumps me. because She goes, no, you're going to be discovered in Las Vegas. And I heard the Lord say she was right. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> So we, like, 
we had a moment there. And then she turns to me, because I know for my show, I don't have any tattoos yet. How can you be the tattoo prophet without tattoos? It's like I, I, I'm a missionary, but I don't go anywhere you need shots. Roughing it for me is a Marriott with a broken hairdryer. Plenty of people to go to Mozambique, come back with whatever it is you guys come back with. There are plenty of them. <laughs> but there's not enough people to stay back or go to Hawaii, you know. You know. <laughs> Live in Santa Monica. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying that there's, we need all types to reach all types, right? And so uh, God said he began to move. And my daughter, you know, she, I don't like needles and stuff. Uh, there's only five things I don't, you know, jazz music, golf, blue cheese, uh, roller coasters and needles. Uh, but um, besides that, I, <laughs> I love everything else almost. Did I mention golf? I hate golf. Anyway, um, but what happened is my daughter says, we got to get like matching tats. Because, see, I was going to get a dolphin. My first tattoo is going to be on the show because I'm the original flipper. Flip it. <laughs> Flip it good. I was going to get a rainbow dolphin. First, I go in because I have it all planned. I've got my shows. I mean, I'm thinking about them. I was going to get eight dolphins, right, in a circle for new beginnings. Some guy looked at my bicep and goes, dude, you might want to stick with one. <laughs> Spiritually, I'm buff. I've got five-fold abs. I surf the web. <laughs> so I was going to get my dolphin, but my daughter says, this trumps it all. She goes, Dad, let's get tats together. I go, wow. So she finally picked it out, compass that says guided by faith. And we haven't done it yet. But I've been afraid of needles. Well, that, what happened is I ended up having to go to the doctor just recently, and they've had to take almost 30 tubes of blood out of me, right? And... That got me used to needles. Because <laughs> they laughed at me because I, I was passing out. Anyone pass out? I pass out with the blood draws. Well, they said, and you're going to do tattoos? <laughs> it was a wake-up call, you know. Anyway, I had to knock that wuss anointing off me. <laughs> okay. I could do this. I can do this because my friend's four-year-old son did it. He got stitches, and, and he, you know, if he could be a big boy, I had, anyway. <laughs> so God is moving in the tattooed Pierce generation, in that group. God is doing something new. He's doing something new right now in the, in the new age. And I knew that God told me that there would be three moves of God that I would see. I'd be part of personally. There's probably more. But as an evangelist, I would be part of the, the, um, the new age. And I didn't know this back you know, 10, 12 years ago, but I would become a, a missionary to people in the new age movement. And now you know, we're seeing that happen everywhere. Also in the tattooed and pierced, I'm seeing amazing stuff. There's some good folks and there's some good kids. They're all ages. Good. They might look nasty, you know. Some of Mar. 
But there's some really good spirited people, and especially when you pull it out of them, right? And the third one the Lord said that I'd see in my lifetime, I'd be part of, is the gay and lesbians. And, you know, I've mentioned this before, and, and uh, that, uh, that uh, you know, I've always said this. I've been around San Francisco. We started In Light Connection in San Francisco. And if you live in the Bay Area, hey, guys, it's, you know, hello, you know. There's really nothing new under the sun, right? And I've always said this. I've met gay Christians, and I believe that you could be a Christian and be gay. I, I will say that because God loves everybody. Can we just talk, right? Come on. But when I said a move of God, I always said to the Holy Spirit, I said to the Lord, I would not really believe it was a move of God until I see them filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's, that's what makes a difference, is the Holy Spirit. I would want to see... Gay and lesbians in the LBGT, uh, which I thought, you know, I got invited to speak at a, a gay church, is LBGT, uh, LGBT church. I thought it meant, um, I thought we were going to have lunch, you know, lettuce, guacamole, bacon, and tomato. <laughs> LGBT. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but God began to move. I, said, I was saying this, I, I won't believe it till I see him filled with the Holy Spirit. And then uh, just two years ago, I got invited to speak at an at a, uh, international uh, gay church uh, uh, conference. And they've been reading my words on Elijah list. Now, how cool is that? First of all, I'm, I'm just, I was amazed that they were reading my words on Elijah list. And um, they said, would you come in and prophesy? Well, it's easy for evangelists. It's easy for us. Because you, know you know what I say? I say, I'm not your judge. That's how you get, you know, people say, well, what do you say? You know, when you get in there. Well, if I was going to go to an AA meeting or, you know, even if I was going to go to a bar, I wouldn't walk in and say, hey, everyone's got to stop drinking now. You need to repent of your abomination of alcoholism. You know, walk into places, you know, where there's uh, adulterers or, or pornography. Excuse me, everyone in here needs to repent. Listen to me. Listen. You can't be a believer. We don't do that with anybody. But with one group, we do. I'm just saying. So God spoke to me. I'm just saying means I'm not proving anything theologically here. It's all experiential. But God spoke to me. He says, I want you to go in there and prophesy and love. He says, I want to show you something. So I did. I went, Linda and I went. And, and uh, sure enough, we get in there. And I was expecting, you know, I'm going to, you know, prophesy and do some stuff. And, and it's easier for me as an evangelist, you know. And I said... You know, the, the, actually, the whole question never came up, you know. When I, we first got in there, I was blown away. Stunned is what the word was. Because many of them in this particular meeting were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why, oh my, Let's, let, me, let me hear a gasp. That's what I said. That blew me away. Now, now people are saying, how could it be possible? I don't know. How it could be possible. I'm not a theologian. I'm an evangelist. But sure enough, Linda and I both, we went back to the hotel that night. I stayed up all night. I kid you not. I stayed up all night searching the scriptures. And I know that there's three verses in the Old Testament. And there's three verses in the New. I searched and searched and searched. And it still didn't make sense. And it still doesn't make sense according to the Bible. But these guys were filled with the Holy Spirit. There was evidence of the Holy Spirit. There was healings happening. There was the presence of the Lord. There was all kinds of stuff 
accepting, and they were the most loving group. And now I'm not justifying anything. I'm not trying to compromise or justify. I'm reporting what I saw. I did. I reported. And the Lord spoke to me while I was there. And he said, tell my people that their blood has reached my ears. Because I started, we started listening to their stories. Their stories were horrendous. They were told they couldn't worship Jesus. They were rejected by their own families. I cried the whole weekend with these guys. And the Lord said, their blood has reached my ears. Therefore, I must move. And I am, that's what he said. The, the great I am says, I am filling them with the Holy Spirit right now. Not all of them. Not the political ones. No, really. Not the ones, the hard-hearted ones. The ones who are hungry for the Lord and was told they couldn't worship Him. The lovers of God. They were. They were not all of them. Because there's some that are still that were political, had a mean spirit, all that other. It's the same with everybody. So I went back a second time. Went back to their church because at conference mode, I want, that's fine. You know, everyone's anointed at a conference. I want to see your church, you know. Is it as boring as any, you know. Yeah, I want to see church, you know. And sure enough, there were, there were same stuff was going on. And I can't explain it. I, I'm not trying to justify it. I came back and started reporting it two years ago. And I got to tell you, I got uninvited to everything. I got really raked up one side and down the other. Just for saying what I saw. Not even justifying it. Not being a poster boy. I'm not doing anything. Just saying that there's a group filled with the Holy Spirit. Just saying that. I had a split in my intercessors. Just saying that. I wasn't invited to churches. Just saying that. Some websites decided to remove my prophetic words. And, I mean, clean me off the internet in one day. Like that. Just for saying what I saw. And I stood my ground. The Lord said this. And I stood my ground and said, I told that group, I'm not going to be your spokesperson. I'm not going to be your poster boy. But I will tell your story everywhere I go. And for the last two years, everywhere I go, I tell the story of that group and the fact that God wants to move and fill people. He can't do it. John 6, 65 says, no one comes to me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws them. That's how he does it with the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so I asked the Lord a question. Okay, because that awkward question. How long, Lord, before we, we talk about, you know, you know what I mean? How long before we talk about homosexuality, about sin, about that thing, you know, that part of it? He told me this. Don't clip their wings too soon. That's what he said. Don't clip their wings too soon. He says, I'm doing a move right now, and it's going to be messy. And I don't know that part. I'm not a theologian, and I'm not justifying I'm just saying I've become friends with and amazing stuff happening. Not real big, not on all of them, but in a group, which I'm, I think that God is about, in fact, God told me this, is that God is moving right now in the gay and lesbian community. I don't know about you, but I'm thrilled. Say, yes, Lord. So this has to do with the 2014 prophetic word. Because I've been walking around for a couple years, and at every single meeting, I usually take a group through repentance. 
for what we've done to the gay community. Because as believers, whether it was you or maybe someone you know, may have driven them deeper into darkness. I know that I may have done it, knowingly or unknowingly, has been part of driving someone further away from the Lord instead of help draw them closer. You know what I'm saying? And so I've been leading groups into the courtroom of heaven as a group experience, into the courtroom of heaven and just saying, just saying this, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask forgiveness if, uh, uh, if myself or on behalf of Christians, if we have been guilty of pushing people away from Jesus instead of drawing them. Father, we pray that you would forgive us and, and you would open the heavens over the outcasts right now. In Jesus' name. I've been doing that everywhere I go. And I want to tell you something. We're seeing something happening, first of all, on our own hearts. My heart was broken when I saw the, the destruction that was going on. See, I don't have to drag you guys through this much because you're in the Bay Area. I did this in Birmingham, Alabama and got away with it. I do it everywhere I go. You feel the presence of the Lord here right now? Yes. The presence of the Lord is here right now. I'm not going to make it the focal point of my message tonight. I'm just going to say that God is doing something in the outcasts. And that we need to love people. That's it. We need to love people, right? Wow. Wow. So the prophetic word over 2014. I've been saying a few of them. Recap 2013. But I got this word that God is going to open a golden gate. And I've been praying over San Francisco for a long time. Used to live on the peninsula. Cried out to the Lord on a regular basis. Moved to San Francisco in 1984. And uh, we've been part of doing stuff. The Bay Area has always been uh, my heart. I left my heart in San Francisco and left the Lord's. The Lord's heart is for San Francisco. Psalm 24, verse 7 through 9. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, and let the King of glory come in. God is going to release something here with the ancient doors, with something from the mystical side of Himself. New things that we're going to start seeing. Like dreams and visions. Like being able to prophesy and it happens. Instead of waiting and waiting and waiting. And every time I come through here, I get words that happen. Uh, two years ago, I came through and said, I got back home and I heard the Lord say that something was going to happen around Candlestick Park. And, and I released a prophetic word on it. And sure enough, two weeks later, on Monday Night Football, the lights go out. That the whole world could see. And that was part of the prophetic word. And I've been coming through prophesying. And I keep pushing at that door. It's like I, I keep coming. Not just be others. But I keep kicking at that door. And nothing happens. I come back a year later. It's almost like what was I here for then? Why did I prophesy? What was happening? And it's like we're pounding on that door. 
But the Lord says that it's about to open. The gates are about to open. Lift them up, you ancient doors, and let the King of glory come in. Father, we say this right now. Open the gates over ourselves. Open the gates over the Bay Area. Open the gates over our families, over our houses. The ancient gates. Open them up over our finances, over our children. Father, open the ancient gates up in the name of Jesus. That the King of glory may come into our life in a greater level. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the thing. That... Uh, I just heard it yesterday, you know, as a, as a seer, I get here and I turn the news on and, and uh, I'm on the phone with my intercessors and my staff and we're, we're praying yesterday and it's the end of, it's been the worst drought on record in San Francisco, worst drought on record. God wants to break the drought in the name of Jesus tonight through Friday, starting the highest tides, they're called King Tides, K-I-N-G. The king of glory. These are called king tides that can get up to seven foot, which is perfection. That God is going to do something right now. He is doing something right now. And did you know that the burn, uh, the, uh, I also heard this, is that the um, burn restrictions have been lifted. I'm just saying, we can get a fire going here in the name of Jesus. Everything's looking right. So this is going to be a year as we get enter in tonight. We're going to enter in to opening the gates over ourselves first. Revelations 4, 1. After that, I looked and before me was a door standing open in heaven and a voice that I had heard first heard speaking that sounded like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what is to take place after this. And Father, we just say this, that we could come up here. Show us what's going to take place after this. That's the prophetic anointing that's going to increase in the name of Jesus. Is this thing still on? I've got my mighty shofar app. If you don't have an app yet for a shofar, hold on. Let me do mine. I got to do mine first. Because you don't always have a shofar. So... I got my mighty shofar app right here. You got to get one. They're free. We use them all the time now. We declare and decree right now, open heavens, open over the airways, open over your smartphone. be a lot of shofar apps downloaded tonight. We use them in our prayer calls. In fact, my ministry, we have always, uh, we don't have shofars. We can't blow shofars. We're not going to fake anybody out. We don't know how to blow a shofar. 
笑法。I'm not sure. So a few years ago, when we were going through a low time, we pulled up a shofar being blown on YouTube every time a check would come into my ministry because we needed. We were going through a rough time. We'd walk around the office with YouTube going on a laptop blowing the shofar because we didn't have one. Now we have an app that we can blow any time we want. And unlike here, where you guys know how to blow shofars, I go to places where they don't know how to blow shofars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow! So, Father, I thank you that you're doing something new. Isaiah forty three seventeen eight and eighteen says, "Behold, I do something new. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. I'm doing something new. Forget the former things." The Lord says. Now. The Lord told me that 2014 would be about. By the way, this is my first time I've ever done a New Year's Eve meeting. I, I've never done one. A prophetic meeting. I've done one at my church as a pastor, you know, and we played music and ate, uh, but never done a prophetic meeting. And the Lord told me to do one this year. We just moved. I don't have a, uh, you know, my staff is virtual. Uh, my shofar is virtual, and uh, my my wife's not though. She's she's right there. But we don't really, our, our office is in, in Santa Maria still, but we live in L.A., we're, you know, and we're just taking the ground there. The Lord says, I want you to do a New Year's Eve meeting. And I'm like, we don't have a staff to do New Year's Eve meeting or anything. I don't, didn't know how to do it. And then Brett called me and, and said, hey, do you want to do a New Year's Eve meeting? I said, hey, I've already heard the Lord. Thank you for calling. <laughs> I don't care if the house is packed. The Lord told me it'd be packed. That's what he said. He said it'd be packed. And that, that God was going to do something new and then it was going to be released. Are you guys all right? You still? Yes. All right. Hey, you, you said. All right. Well, here was. Um, I got a download last week. In fact, it was the night before the night before Christmas. Did you know what the night before the night before Christmas is? It's the 23rd. It was the night before the night before Christmas. I heard the Lord. I mean, it was like a dam broke loose. And uh, because I had been hearing God regularly for other things, but I hadn't got the 2014 word yet, you know. And Elijah List is calling, everyone's calling. We need the 2014 word. <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. I didn't want to tell him, you know. And, you know, pressure on the prophet, you know. Whoa. I haven't gotten it. God's going to do something new. I don't know what it is, but you know, that's what we say, prophets. We say that he's doing something new. What is it? We don't know. We'll be back. <laughs> we went through a season of that with prophets, you know, showing up because we were kind of at a lull there for a while, you know. And, um, and so that's not me. That's my shoes, by the way. I can make it These are new shoes. Sure they are, buddy. I've got fart shoes on. I mean, these are, I'm not going to wear these, honey. I just want to see if I could say that in church and the Holy Spirit would still remain. He did. <laughs> so on the 23rd, I got the word. 
And the Lord said that, he says, I mean, I, I was kind of stunned when I heard it. He says, I was doing things, what the Lord said. The Lord says, I was doing things in 2009 that got sidetracked, that got held back. And I'm like, they're late. You know, I knew that. I knew the Lord was late because we're always waiting on them at church. <laughs> right? We come into the church. I go, every, you know, that awkward moment of silence. You bring a friend and the friend's not a believer. And they go, how come everyone's silent? We're waiting on the Lord. Is he late? Because, dude, I'd fit in, man. If the Lord's late, we could be late too, you know. The Lord told me that 2009, if you had prophetic words that he had spoken to you, they were held back. Now, I'm not going to tell you all the reasons they were. He gave me the reasons that they were held back. He just gave me this whole list of reasons. But I went back to my journal and started looking. I go, sure enough, I had a whole bunch of prophetic words that never came about. How about you? Go back and check 2009, especially the end of 2009. Then I get an email from someone. This, the very next day, I get an email from someone who says, you gave me a word back in 2009 that hasn't come about. Do you have any insight into it? I go, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> you see, the Lord's holding back right now. <laughs> he's holding he was holding things back 2009 10 11 12 13 14 5 5 years later we're going to see something happen with because that's intensity the five because you know the five-folded ministry uh, you know anyway and, uh, when when grace is just not enough anyway uh <laughs> God's about to break through something. He's going to do something. I'm sorry. I spit, on, I spit on you. Someone saw that. God's going to do something new. And he's going to break through this. And then he told me the reason was because. And I, it's not like my people weren't ready. It wasn't anything like that. He said, no, it was for the sake of two. Two of his leaders. We're not ready. Two of his major leaders were not ready for what he was about to pour upon them. And he said, for the sake of them, I held it back because I loved them. And the world was making fun of them. And I know if I step out and say the names, you know, I'll get in trouble. Say the names. Come on, say the names. Say the names. Say the names. Say the name. I'll end up on YouTube. I know someone's with the video camera out there. Here he is, Doug Addison, saying the names. <laughs> I just gave you the idea, right? All right, all video cameras off. I'll say the names. He did say this to me. Now, I didn't even think of this. This just popped in from the Holy Spirit. He said that, that for the sake of Benny Hinn, For the sake of Benny Hinn, because Benny Hinn had a calling and a prophetic word spoken over his life that 2009, at, at New Year's Eve on 2009, when the clock ticked, 10, 9, 8, 7, and then it rang into 2010, that an anointing was going to come upon him that was going to help remove 
the, whole, um, the Jezebel spirit from the church. Now, I know this for a fact because I, I was working for John Paul Jackson at that time. In 2002, I was working for John Paul Jackson, and we were living in North, uh, in where the heck were we living? New Hampshire. And it was cold. Man, it was cold. That's why I learned everything quick and got out of there. You know, I learned, I was the quickest in everyone had ever learned any of that stuff. You know, I was in and out of there. We were in and out of there in a year and a half. You know, he said it takes people five years. And he even said it on one of the fireside chats, but somehow... Doug did it in a year and a half. I go, you know how? Because I was cold. <laughs> I'm a missionary, remember? And so I was working for John Paul Jackson at the time, Linda and I, and he went on the Benny Hinn show in 2002, in February 2002, and prophesied over Pastor Hinn and gave a prophetic word, interpreted a dream that in 2010, when the clock struck on, on New Year's Eve 2009, that an anointing was going to come on Benny. That was going to help remove the Jezebel spirit from the church. Well, the Lord spoke to me and said that Benny needed prayer and he didn't. There wasn't enough people around him and he went through a rough time. In fact, he got divorced. But now, guess what? Him and him and Suzanne are back together. And God's about to do something for the sake of one other healing evangelist, too, named Todd Bentley. And he said this, the Lord said he's going to do something. But, it, you know, people get ticked off and all that. Well, that's why we don't get these moves of God, because ticked off is not a fruit of the spirit. It's a fruit of darkness. You don't have to agree with them, but you don't want to curse them. And God, so God told me that there's an anointing being released for 2014, not just on Benny Hinn now, but on the church to remove the Jezebel spirit. That controlling spirit. But he is going to use Benny Hinn. He is going to use Todd Bentley in a special way. He is going to do something new. But I want to tell you something. There's an anointing right now. And this is what I'm releasing in my word. That there is an anointing on all of us to reveal the spirit of control, the Jezebel spirit in the church. Because it's holding down these new revivals. So, Father, we say break it open right now. Break open. Come on. Where's that shofar? Blow that shofar. Blow the shofar. In the name of Jesus. Shofars tonight. <laughs> I was worried that there'd be no shofars here. <laughs> so I inquired of the Lord where there'll be a shofar here. And he says, as a sign unto. <laughs> it is a sign. I've never seen so many shofars, is it? Whoa. Is this regular? Like you have a shofar section or something? There's like a. The meeting of the shofars. Wow. So go back to 2009 and look up some words. I tell you, you know what? I want to be encouraged. I go read my 2009 journal 
I mean, um, my blog in 2009, I went to, um, to Cape Town, South Africa in uh, uh, March of 2009. And at that time, I was banned from speaking in the churches I had helped start. I had all stuff coming against me. I had people lying about, uh, you know, behind my back, all this stuff happening. And God says this. He says, watch this. I want you to go to Cape Town, South Africa. And I was going to this meeting there. I'd never been there. It was like a, I don't know if you've ever taken that flight, but it's a, you know, like a 20 some hour flight. And I get there and I show up. I had angelic encounters for five days. The most, I had, there was so many angelic encounters. I had to call Bob Jones, who's the angel specialist. But I, it was weird because I couldn't get a phone line out to even call my wife, Linda. I could not get a phone line. I couldn't get anything. We were in this weird place. And so I was going to Skype and use Skype, but I didn't have Internet. So I had to go scab Internet in Cape Town, South Africa, off a neighbor I didn't know. Now, this is desperation. You ever do that? I'm like holding my laptop up to get two bars. I got my headset on. And I got my Skype to phone, uh, you know, and I'm ready. I'm calling Bob, and bam, two bars hit. And I call Bob Jones, but everyone knows that Bob Jones keeps his phone unplugged until the Lord tells him to plug it in. So it's just a miracle that Bob answers the phone. That's, that's your answer to prayer right there, you know. Because <laughs> I've called Bob so many times, and I've been sitting at his house before. Bob Jones is a prophet, if you don't know him. And, and I've been sitting in his house, and he just, while he's talking to everybody, he's real sweet and nice, he just reaches down and plugs a phone in, picks it up, hello, and he gives him a word, and, you know, and hangs the phone up and unplugs it, and he just sits there. I go, Bob, how'd you, he goes, what'd you just do? He goes, well, you can't do that? He goes, what are you, dull? <laughs> Whoa. So Bob picks the phone up. I'm out Skyping, you know, I'm holding my laptop up, and, and two things I wanted to ask Bob. One was, uh, I had heard the Lord on March 23rd and, and that God told me he was going to do something new and there was going to be these angels. So Bob picks the phone up and he goes, he goes, uh, did the Lord speak to you on the 23rd? I go, yeah. I mean, he's just telling me this. And, and he goes, was there angels there? I go, yeah. And he goes, well, okay. Bye-bye. No, wait. 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 There was angels I didn't know. I don't know the names of angels. I only know their functions. I'm not an angel guy. I mean, I wasn't an angel guy in that sense. I know. I don't know their names. I know their functions. Even to this day, I don't know any angel names. I just know their functions. He knows Emma and all the names. I was over his house when Charlie, who hadn't been on the earth since 1938 or whatever it was, and, and, you know, and he knows all these things. I just know their function. That one's a breakthrough angel. That's a fire angel. That's a love angel. Right. I, I know their functions when they come in the room. And uh, and so uh, it's because of the conjunction, junction, function. what's your function? <laughs> so I know their functions. So I get Bob on the phone. He goes, well, because I had there was a big one. He, a big one, as he said, there was a big one, wasn't there? And uh, yeah, 16 feet high and golden. And, you know, and uh, and, and so. I was sitting there on the front row of this uh, meeting. Every night we had meetings, and they were putting me on at night because I was the only one who knew how to act, interact with the angels. They weren't, those angels were already there, but they weren't, I don't know why no one knew how to interact with them. I didn't even know how. But I was having these encounters all night long, and I'd come back in the next day, and I knew what to do. And, uh, and so in one of the encounters, here's what happened. One of the encounters, I go back home to the, I'm 
to the room, actually the hotel. I, I'm still in Cape Town. It's in the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, I'm taken real time to California. Real time, in the spirit, but in, in the natural. I'm taken to California, and I'm driving up 101 on the central coast, and I'm driving 101 in the daytime. The, the sun was shining. I knew the time was the same as when I was asleep or whatever the experience I was having. And I'm driving up without a microphone in my hand. I was driving up <laughs> in front of a crowd, uh, uh, 101. And I look over to the side, and I see all kinds of Caltran workers. Now, everyone, I don't want... Is there any Caltran workers here? Uh, are you? Okay. I don't want to offend any Caltran. Do you, do you really work? Is it just one? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Good. Because... Uh, uh, good. Because you know the joke. Uh, Caltran workers, you know, don't usually work, but these guys were working hard. I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. These guys were working real hard. There's a whole crew of them. And they were like bent over, 45 degree angle, scooping things into bags. And I look as I'm driving by, and their heads are down in the weeds off to the side of the road. They're scooping things into bags, and they're scooping white lights, white balls of light into bags. It was, a, it was the gathering angels. I just freaked out. The fear of God hit me as they all of them turned their faces to me all at once, and it turned ancient African faces with like the beady red eyes like, like on Star Wars. And then it back into men. And I knew that these were the gathering angels mentioned in Matthew that went out to gather the harvest. And the Lord said, those white balls are the, the ones that the church has rejected at the side of the road. And it, they're gathering them right now. They're prepared to gather in the... Uh, in what. Some people would call the lost, but I learned as an evangelist, don't call the lost, lost. They don't like to be called the lost. <laughs> Step one to reach people, stop calling them lost. You know, it's not politically correct. We don't call stupid people stupid, you know, because <laughs> they're stupid. We're just trying to reach the stupid. We're trying to reach the lost. Anybody in here lost? They're people. They're people. Right? So these are people because we have to look at them as people. And I remember when I, uh, I, I remember thinking that there's got to be like, there was gay and lesbians. There was, uh, the, uh, there was the, the new age. There were people that our own children were part of this. And they looked over at me, and I drive on. I'm like freaked out. And I come back into my own. There was more to the experience, but I, I get assigned two angels right then. They came to my door. Two angels came to my door in that experience. Then I come back in the meeting. So I'm sitting on the front row. I've already talked to Bob Jones, who told me I'm getting my mantle. He got his mantle in Africa. Reinhard Bonnke got his mantle in Africa. And he says, and you're getting your mantle in Africa, boy. And uh, he's... <laughs> And so I'm like, my mantle for evangelism. And so this is the fun thing about being prophetic. Uh, you know, I'm, what is he? He's an evangelist. He's a comedian. He's prophetic. What is he? He's a Swiss army knife. <laughs> He's got the corkscrew. <laughs> 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 
Doug party of wine. Your table's ready, Doug. Thank you. Thank you. So they're gathering angels and they're in squadrons. And the Lord says, I'm, I'm dispersing them now all over the earth, getting them ready. That was 2009. And I start prophesying. I start seeing the gathering angels everywhere I went. I'd go places and see the gathering angels. I saw them. I saw them in Chicago. I, I saw them out in San Francisco. I saw them in L.A. I saw them on the Central Coast. I saw them all over the place, all over the world. I was seeing gathering angels. And they have one job and one job only, to gather. To gather the who? People. Smart people. Found people. They're gathering people. But they don't do anything else. They're unemployed until... We come into agreement for, with God for the outcast. They're designed and sent from heaven for the outcast, and they can't do anything else. Their hands are tied. They're leaning on their rakes. They're, you know, they're, they're ready to work, but they're just sitting there waiting for us to come into agreement with heaven over the outcast and not push them away. And so I had all these encounters. When I want, if I'm discouraged, I go to my 2009 blog, DougAddison.com. Cleverly disguised. I look up those encounters. When I came home, I had angelic encounters. And then three angels come home with me. It's like the home version of the Holy Spirit. You know, hey, it's the party. You all get the home version of the Holy Spirit. I got angels to come home with me. Three of them. And, uh, and so the next day I'm sitting in a meeting in, in South Africa. And I said, you know, I asked for a sign. God, if this is really you, you know, give me a sign. Like, I need a sign. Bob just told me. And, you know. Angels are waking me up. But when you're having these experiences, you don't know. You, you kind of think you might be losing it or something, you know. How long have you been off drugs? And you, you're just wondering. So I said, God, just give me a sign that you're giving me a mantle. Just give me a sign. All of a sudden, the speaker who's up there, he goes, look, a, a white feather. And I thought everyone was getting one. It appeared on video. We have it on video. Appeared right over my head. Big white feather. And went down into my hand. Like, poof, right when I was saying, God, give me a sign. That an angel is being, you know, that the mantle was coming and angels are being assigned. And the white feather falls into my hand. But I thought everyone was getting them, you know. And I, and I realized, hey, I'm the only one. And I hear, brace for impact. You know, I hear this with the Holy Spirit. Put your stuff down. That's all I remember hearing. Put your stuff down. Because <laughs> I went down. And this 16-foot golden angel comes out of a, uh, a blinding white light. I knew it was 16 foot. And it was intense. This golden angel stretches his hands down and puts its hands on me and lays hands on me. And I begin to get these experiences. Three angels got assigned to me in South Africa, came home. In fact, we have one of them. I wish we had the picture. At Blazing Fire. And uh, we came. Uh, there was the, the uh, three angels. One was love. One was revelation, and the other was fire. And everywhere I went, either fire, love, or revelation would come with me. It was TWA, travel with angels. It wasn't like Delta, don't even let them aboard. It was definitely TWA. I had to learn, I had to call my angel friends to tell me, to, I didn't even know how to interact with angels. I'm an evangelist, what do I know, you know? I just know that angels just show up and do stuff. But now I have them with me. You know, it's like a butler, you know. You got all these, I had all these angels when I came back. And so my house is full of angels now. 
But we were, at, there was one time at Blazing Fire at a meeting, uh, and the fire angel showed up, and people fell, there was people falling, you have to check your liability insurance when fire shows up. In fact, people were falling, was that you, the one that fell? Uh, yeah, and... Yeah, it was you that, that fell as a witness, right? I didn't even come out. I stepped out and hadn't touched anybody. And it was around the whole room. And then someone was taking a video. Were you here that night? Took a video. At the end of the video, it, um, it was me on the stage, but it was a, 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 an image of an angel fire with a wing, with a halo, breathing right on me. But I was doing comedy, You know what I'm saying? It was, a, it was a most weird experience because I tried to do ministry like everybody else, you know. Oh, there's a word of knowledge. Line everybody up and let's get testimonies. The Lord did this. You know, which is cool. I love it. I tried doing that and everyone gets sicker. I went back to comedy and someone got a gold filling. And so I do comedy and stuff, and people are getting healed right now. Someone's getting healed of a nut allergy tonight. There is. They've already been healed. In the name of Jesus, you're nuts. I see that. She's nuts. You're nuts in Jesus' name. Come on. Someone's getting healed right now. Laugh your, laugh your gut off. You know, laugh your, laugh your butt off. Then the anointing came for laugh your dead off. I took it on the road. The Doug and Pony Show hit the road. Laugh your debt off. How many people got their debt laughed off in, in one of my meetings? We laughed off. Thank you. Thank you. How much? 50000 Thank you. And we laughed off $30,000 in debt. Whether it was supernatural or it was, a, it was a, 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 you know, like a strategy or it was a word like listen to Dave Ramsey or, you know, it was something. Yeah, it worked. It was like an acceleration of debt reduction. But I, if I tried doing it without comedy, nothing would work. And so I just want you to know that right now, I'm a professional at this, and that, that while I've been doing somewhat of comedy a little bit, that God's moving in the crowd here. And it's quarter to midnight, and that, uh, that we're going to see a breakthrough happen at midnight. I'm just checking the clock here. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, it is quarter of midnight. I'm a professional talker. God says to open your mouth and he'll fill it. That's my strategy. That's why I stretch up here. I'm going to be 55 this year. You know, whoa. You stretch before you preach the gospel. You want to throw something out like your jaw or something. Come on. You want to get in shape. So God's doing something new right now. I came home with a house full of angels. Literally came home with a house full. They came back with me. A bunch of them. Worker angels. A fire angel. Love angel. So the love angel would show up, which is here tonight, by the way. Angel love and the angel revelations here tonight. Both of them. Special guests all the way from heaven. Here for them. Come on. Whoa. Yes, God. And Jesus, is this thing on? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I only pushed it once. 
<laughs> That's punked by an angel right there. She, I didn't even push it. I, <laughs> I'm being punked by an angel. It's a reality show I'm working on. That's just like the Beatles came on and it wasn't even on the playlist. That was impossible. You know, if you know what, uh, I, I, you know, an iPhone, it couldn't happen. It's not even on the playlist when, when Octopus's Garden came on. It's punked by an angel. So God's doing something new right now. I was having such an amazing time in my room or that next three days, I'm like, oh, there's all these angels. I've had quiet times out. Like, and I was like, what do I do, Lord? And he says, put them to work. They're worker angels. So I thought carefully, went out for a prayer walk. Thought, whoa, I need this. I asked for that. Would you go pray for them? And so the next day I got up and there's no angels in the house, just me and my Bible. You know, I felt cold and lonely. All oh, the angels left and I repented. What did I do? And the Lord says, you put them to work. Stupid. He didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not going to repent. I'm just going to. No, he said you put him to work. They're not omnipresent. They're not like the Lord. They can only be in one place at one time. I learned a lot. And so I started having to learn to work with angels and see angels in the room and know angels are there. And, and uh, I begin to uh, work over time. You know, each meeting I go back and take notes after the meetings, what the hot spots in the room and why this was going on and what was happening. That's how you learn. There's angels being assigned tonight. There's a boatload of angels here tonight. Big, big boatload. And it's going to be a take them home tonight. I want you to have some of mine. I don't care. I got a bunch of them. They brought their friends. That's why when you talk about angels, they show up. And so for the last few, uh, last few years, I've been having angelic encounters. I don't even know what a wazoo is, but it's out the wazoo. And don't Wikipedia that, because I don't want to know what the wazoo is. But they're definitely out the wazoo. That's how many angels are having these encounters. And, uh, and so God's doing something now. We're getting something new that's going to break through for you. Right? Father, we just say yes to it. We pray in Jesus' name. I just want to release this last prophetic word, by the way, um, before I do that. I have a couple of books. I just wrote a new book called, um, uh, what is the name of it? Understand Your Dreams Now. It's 10 years in the making. And um, I just before all the mayhem might start, which has already started. Understand Your Dreams Now. It's, it's dream interpretation, how to interpret your dreams. And... Um, I'm taking this book off the market, Prophecy, Dreams, and Evangelism, my first book I ever wrote on how to do prophetic evangelism. It's a bestseller, but now that I'm in Hollywood, they, won't, they don't want me to have the E-word, evangelism, on anything. So I'm, it's off my website. It's going off the market. It's still here. We have, we're going to carry it for a little bit. But Prophecy, Dreams, and Evangelism, I wrote this book in three weeks. The, I wrote the manuscript in three weeks. Now, I, had, I was out on the road uh, doing it for a few years, but I came back in. Wrote the book in three weeks. And then I realized that a lot of people don't know their own destiny. We're given words of destiny. So I wrote a book on how to find your destiny. And it's called Personal Development God's Way. It's great for the new year. How to find your destiny. Walks you right through it. I wrote this book in a month. 30 days. I kid you not. I figured I don't even read a book. You know, I read a book. 
you know, in a year. Yet, and I don't even read a book. I wrote a book. I was looking how big it is. I'm like, hey, that's a big book. I wrote a big book, but it's easy, it's easy to read. So I wrote my first one in three weeks, second one in 30 days. And I wrote my, my third book, uh, Write a Book Quickly. Unlock your creative spirit. Now, notice how thick it is, but um, it took me three years to write this one, though. Whoa. Because I was trying to complicate things. I was going to be writing, speaking, and creating, and God said, just get the writing peaks out. You know, just knock off the other writer stuff, you know. It's, it's all the stuff you need to know, how to, you know, get an ISBN number, whether to self-publish, get a, uh, you know, whether to go with a publisher, writing exercises, all this in a small, how to blog, how to, uh, you know, do all that stuff. Because there's people in this room who have stories that needs to get out to the world, right? So, Father, we thank you for your goodness, and you're about to do something new. Um, what do you think? Can I just do it with this? Is that all right with you? I feel it. Uh, why don't everyone stand up now? Can you? Oh, my God. I should have had you do it before. That's your actual time. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. So, Father, I thank you that you're going to do something new. Oh, I had a couple other prophetic words that for 2014, that God's going to turn um, this whole thing about accusation. He's going to turn it into reconciliation. And it's time to stop accusing one another. And it's time to begin uh, to embrace each other. We don't have to agree with each other. So, Father, I thank you that you're doing something new and it's undercover right now. Could you keep me on here? Okay. He's doing something new. Can you just keep it up? Thank you. Come on. There's an anointing now. Come on. You know the song? Agent man, that's a secret. Come on. All right, Father, we thank you that you're doing something new. It's just like the Jesus People Movement, only it's dated. Come on, ready? Can you hear it out there? This is an up the last book of God, the last Bible. It was the Jesus People Movement. We're gonna update that right now.
Netflix, that's bad. Come on. Where are you gonna go? Mother, we're back. The Jesus people movement. Three minutes, Father, we break breakthrough right now. Pick up the Betty. shift gears because I don't want to pull you out of the spirit but crank this up a little bit because the church is going to be a love shack and that's what we're bringing it to you with I want to pull you out of the spirit 26 seconds up a little bit because we're going to bring it Hey, 
tonight. Come on. I'm down that door right now. Come on. That's louder. Father OCA open the golden gate. Song. I just want you to know that I was in a rock and roll band back in the 70s. This is the truth. This is true. Come on. I was in a rock and roll band and you turn it up. I was a boogie singer. I was playing the rock and roll band. I was a boogie singer.
Father, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, my. Oh, my. My hands are on fire right now. What about you? Hey, and Jesus. Whoa, hey, watch. I'm not a catcher. Whoa. In Jesus' name. Whoa. Thank you, God. Whoa, whoa, in Jesus' name. Hey. Whoa. Hey, hey, no tap backs, no tap backs. Oh, my God. 